0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Gift of Grace on the Word 1220. This is Phil Giuliani here again, and it's not only another awesome Sunday night, as I always say, it is also New Year's Eve. It is the very end of the year 2023. You know, it's hard to believe how fast years go by, but this year seems to have just flown And at the end of the year, it's usually kind of a good idea to look back on the previous year, think about what's coming up in the next year, and I always think about, as we do, you've probably heard them on the programs and on the YouTube channels, and in the the Torah where God tells the people to celebrate Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, there's a a time that goes on according to traditions that for a time before that happens, you examine yourself and you look over the last year and you look at where you've done well and where you haven't done so well and to think about what you're going to do in the following year when the Feast of Trumpets starts. And of course, since it is the Feast of Trumpets, It's set off by shofar blasts, and the point of the shofar blast is to awaken people from their sleep. Shofar blasts will certainly awaken you from a physical sleep. It's a loud, penetrating sound, but the point of it is that it awakens you also from a spiritual sleep so that you see what is going on. And... One thing that has certainly been the case over the last few years, and seems to be getting worse, is the fact that we are in a spiritual sleep. Most of the churches have gone into a spiritual sleep. Most people who go to church have gone into a spiritual sleep. Most people that used to—and I say most people because the differences in numbers has been stunning— But the numbers of people that used to be involved in prayer meetings, Bible studies, charismatic prayer groups, and whatever else you want to name, even down to going to church, has dramatically decreased over the last several years. And over the last 10 years has just really plummeted. And you can look around. You can see that happening. And if at your church that hasn't happened, that's great. And hopefully you're in a place where you're getting taught, you're being fed, and people are coming for those things, and not just for a Sunday morning obligation or visit or or whatever you may call it, but overall we've seen over the last few years what Paul talks about when he writes to um, the Thessalonians and says, the great falling away will come. At the end time, the great falling away will come. He uses the words apostasia, which we get the word apostasy. So actual teachings will change. Actual, standard, traditional Teachings that have been in Christianity since the apostolic time will be doubted, will be replaced, will be tampered with, and will be changed. And we're seeing that happening. Not going to uh, pick up. Not going to pick on denominations. And you're probably all very familiar with how that has gone on. And if you've been watching developments in the mainline churches over the last few years, you know what I'm talking about. When you see what has happened in the Anglican community, you can't even believe it. And now in the Catholic community worldwide, it is beginning and actually is pretty far along. And when you look back even 10 years ago, you would have never even imagined such a thing. So the the falling away has increased has gathered momentum. And Paul tells Timothy also that people don't want to hear sound doctrine. They don't want to hear sound teachings. In fact, he says, they will gather teachers around them that tell them what their itching ears want to hear. In other words, you want a teacher who's going to tell you what you want to hear. So if your teacher tells you that God is love, everybody is saved, everything is wonderful, don't worry. Then, if that's your mindset, you want to go to that church. You want to hear that teacher. If you have a teacher that tells you that, well, in order to be saved, all you have to do is try to do the best you can and make sure you go to church on Sunday and make sure that you don't hurt anyone's feelings. And make sure that you're nice most of the time. And make sure that you just carry on kind of your daily responsibilities at work and at home. Then you'll gather teachers around you that are like that. If you want to know about how can I improve my material life? How can I improve my financial status? And you hear a teacher that says, well, when you come to Christ... It will also improve your financial situation. You will get better jobs, better bonuses, better cars, better houses. And you say, I'll sign up for that. Because after all, the Bible talks about blessing everyone with stuff. And so you'll go to teachers that are like that. But when you go to a teacher that says that you're a sinner and you stand condemned before God, And that the only way that your sin can be dealt with is through Jesus and through his dying on the cross and that through his blood, capital B, atonement is made for you as is prefigured in the Torah and is prefigured in the prophets and is prefigured in the writings of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and is prefigured and is talked about in the Gospels, is explained in the letters that Paul and Peter and John write and that without repentance, it is impossible to enter the kingdom without staying away from the pride of, hey, I can do whatever I want. And hey, once I'm saved, I'm saved. And that's great. And I can do whatever I feel like doing now. People don't want to talk about crosses and blood and forgiveness and repentance. When you have preachers telling you that no matter what you pray for, it will be answered, and if it's not answered, it means that you don't have enough faith, then when you're not cured of the disease, when your situation that you're praying for doesn't improve, you tend to chastise yourself and say, Well, according to what that guy told me, I must not not have enough faith. God must be very disappointed with me. And these are streams that have been going through Christianity. But the fact of the salvation message is that you're a sinner, you stand condemned before God, and that Jesus is the only way that you can be saved. We just last week celebrated the birth of the Messiah. And... I heard many years ago um, someone saying that everybody likes to see little baby Jesus in the manger, and everybody likes to see touching nativity scenes, but nobody wants to hear what he has to say when he grows up. Nobody wants to hear what he has to say as a full-grown man. Nobody wants to hear about sin and destruction and condemnation. And on the other side of the coin— they don't feel that they need the repentance, the forgiveness, the mercy, and the grace that only comes through him. If you don't believe that it only comes through him, then you will not get it. This will not be the way for you to enter into an awesome eternal life. Everyone will enter into eternal life. Because <laughs> some people go, go to hell when they die, believe it or not. And when your friends say, well, the God I believe in would never send anyone to hell, then you can tell your friend you believe in the wrong God. Because God does, in fact, have people go to hell because that's what they've chosen. They've rejected the gospel. They've rejected Jesus. They've rejected the plan of salvation. And so basically, they're on their own. And the writer to the Hebrews says that very uh, eloquently in chapter 2, where he says, well, don't neglect such a great plan of salvation. When you have this awesome plan of salvation, don't reject it. Don't neglect it. Don't doubt it. Don't disbelieve it. Don't think that you know better than the plan of salvation. And so as we look back through this past year, we really haven't learned much from the pandemic of almost four years ago now, which was a time of quiet mercy. It was a time of, should have been a time of quiet reflection, should have been a time of prayer, should have been a time of repentance, should have been a time to re-examine oneself since so many things in the world were shut down since so many things in the world could not be accessed like you were used to. Working was different and almost non-existent. You couldn't go out to eat. You couldn't go to a movie. You couldn't assemble someplace and do whatever you used to do. Everything in life changed, and it was a time of, grace and mercy for people who took advantage of it. But at that time, you'll recall, the the biggest thing people were talking about was getting back to normal. When do we get back to normal? Well, we got back to normal. We forgot about the lessons. Maybe we didn't learn any lessons. Maybe we didn't know we were supposed to learn lessons. But we certainly did not take it as a time of grace and mercy. We took it as a time of, I can't wait to get back to normal so I can get back to the, the way that I've always lived, living like I always have. And so no matter what happened, we were willing to say, hey, as long as we get back to normal, as long as we get back to what we were doing before, that's the goal. So that became the physical goal. That was not the spiritual goal. And so since that time, we've had changes in the economy. We now have a significant war going on in the Middle East, which so far, as of today, is still limited. But other, other players seem to be getting involved. So no matter how you look at it, there's lessons to be learned if you look at these things in the right way. But we've come to a point where I always used to use the example of the fact that nobody in the world has ever lived like we have lived. And at least up until recently, no one in the world in history had ever lived like we live. We have beds, we have mattresses, we have couches, we have chairs, we have floors of a hundred different kinds We have stoves, we have refrigerators, we have microwaves, we have freezers where you can take a piece of meat and put it in the freezer, and two or three weeks from now, you can defrost it and cook it. You can take your leftover food, put it in the refrigerator, and eat it a day later, two days later. No one in history has been able to do that. And we have hundreds of ways to entertain ourselves in our home all around us and such a consumerized um, materialistic society as we've just, as we always witness at Christmas time, that you can buy whatever you want to buy in whatever quantity you want to buy it, whether you can afford it or not, unfortunately. But there's spending sprees and buying sprees that – you think are going to make you happy. You think are going to improve your situation. You think are going to get people to like you better. And so there's, there's shopping sprees that go on from the end of October till December 24th without any thought to what Christmas is all about. And then we have a healthcare system that has become an idol. People assume no matter what's wrong, it will be fixed. You'll have a scan, you'll take a pill, you'll have something done, and whatever happens to you, it will be fixed. And so, on top of all of that, we have the moral relativism that I mentioned a while ago, and you know as well as I do. What's right for me may not be right for you, but we're both right. Whatever I believe is the truth. What I believe to be moral truth is the truth. What I believe to be theological truth is the truth. In other words, I make up my own system. I become not quite a God in myself, but little g God in myself, because what I think and what I say determines everything. So when you live in that kind of culture that I just outlined, the question is, what do you need a Savior for? What do you need to be saved from? And Satan has done a great job, especially in the Western world. I mean, Western Europe, as you know, is a total disaster. America is a pretty much complete disaster, but not yet total. But we're a little bit behind Western Europe. Canada is a total disaster. And we've moved away from any kind of spiritual moorings that we had. We will determine our future. We will determine what's right and wrong. And so we've had the continuous murder or slaughter of babies that went on all through the pandemic and continues to go on. We have now gender confusion. We have now questions of what is marriage, what is a family, what is gender. I mean, no one would have Conceived of such a thing even a couple of decades ago. But here we are. So instead of that world I outlined, the situation, in fact, is that without Jesus, you stand condemned. Without Jesus, you have to answer for your own sins. In fact, Jesus himself says in the gospel that at your judgment, you will answer for every idle word. Every idle word will come into your judgment. Any little comment that you made about somebody, any little comment you made about your coworkers, your friends, your family members, will all come into the judgment. And he points out that that's a horrible thing. You can't live the way you were supposed to live, therefore he had to come. The 21st century church, however however, is basically creating a whole new structure where you have Christianity without Christ, you have church without the Holy Spirit, you have forgiveness without repentance. In fact, there is not really anything you need to repent from because all manners of lifestyle are perfectly fine. And we've seen this accelerate over the last year. And it has been accelerating through the Western world, for sure. The churches in Africa and some parts of Latin America have resisted. And even in Europe, some countries have resisted. But it has become an overwhelming tide. And it does not show any sign of subsiding as we go into 2024 in four hours from now or whatever it is by now, four and a quarter hours. So this is where we stand. It is not, however, all negative. There is always a remnant. We talk a lot about remnants and all the teachings I do and churches I speak at. And if you come Friday night to One in Messiah, you'll hear a lot about remnants. There is always a remnant. God is never without witnesses in the world. And so there are people who are standing on biblical truth. There are people who are standing on Judeo-Christian morality. And they're being canceled and they're being made outcast. And many people who would, do, who would stand on those things are not saying anything because they don't want to lose their job and they don't want to be canceled. They don't want to be ostracized at work or, with, or from their friends or even from their family. And so they don't say anything, but there are many people who are standing for truth. You don't always hear them. You don't always see them, but they are there. And as, and people say this every time there's a new year, but when the new year comes, we have to be more, more moved than ever to preach the gospel to people. And that includes people sitting next to you at church who may not know what the gospel is because the gospel has been hijacked. People do not realize anymore, as a general statement, what the gospel is. And I had the experience over the last couple of weeks of talking about Christmas to people who, I don't know all their background, but who have looked at me like, what in the world are you talking about? When I say, well, you know what the real meaning of Christmas is? You know what Christmas really is all about? It's not about Santas and elves and holly and trees and candy canes and whatever, reindeer. Nothing wrong with those things in their place. But there are many people who don't even understand anymore what it is. And so as the new year comes, it's more imperative to take every possible means to evangelize. You know, you hear many churches talking about a new evangelization, and we need a new evangelization. And many friends of mine, and it's finally kind of um, settled through my thick head, is that the new evangelization is the same as the old evangelization. Just like in the first century... The gospel spread into pagan areas to people who had no clue what was going on, had no clue about the Old Testament, had no clue about the plan of salvation. But they heard the message of salvation. They heard the message of Jesus and accepted it and were changed and were converted from paganism to Christianity. We are now walking around in an increasingly pagan world with that same message. And yes, it's not always well-received. Most of the time, it's not received at all. Or there's a lot of pushback, eye-rolling, sarcastic comments, or even anger. But we can't let that deter us from what we're here to do. Because the time now is more than ever as the time gets shorter and the time is getting shorter. It's, I shouldn't say never been, but it's never been so important to preach the gospel. And so I think in the new year, we have to take every advantage of that. Whether you do it in person, whether you do it electronically, electronically whether you have to confront people at your church, whether you have to confront people at work, but whatever means you have to use. And so as 2023 goes into the record book, so to speak, and 2024 is about to dawn, we have our work cut out for us ahead of us. But I'm always encouraged by people I meet who are in the remnant, I'm always encouraged in Psalm 2 where it tells us that um, kings and princes plot against God and plot against his anointed one, and they do whatever. And it says that God sits in the heavens and laughs. He laughs at their schemings. And we live at such a time like that now. So I want to encourage everyone to get out there in this coming year, I'm going to try to do more, I hope everybody else tries to do more, and to preach that message of salvation everywhere that we go. So personally, and from Gift of Grace Radio and from One in Messiah, I want to wish everyone a Happy New Year. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to these programs every Sunday night for the last year, and. Uh, I can say, too, that the programs will be continuing. I did sign on, so to speak, for another year. So every Sunday night we'll be here on 1220 The Word at 7.30 p.m. So I want to wish everyone a Happy New Year and hope that you join me in, in the coming year for some teachings and some new evangelization.